Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Be glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Well, hi, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. We are going to pray for our country. Uh, We're going to talk about the 2024 uh, race uh, in a little bit of detail. We're going to talk about the next indictment coming down uh, against President Trump and uh, how ridiculous uh, that is. We're going to talk about a lot of things. We want to hear from you. Uh, Let us know your prayer intentions in particular, because as we pray for our country, we want to pray for one another as well. Feel free to leave those intentions in the comments. And I want to start with a reading from uh, the Word of God, as we always do, that really sheds light on, unfortunately, the, the corruption that we're experiencing right now in America, and uh, that needs to inform our prayer, of course, that we pray for God to purify us, our leaders, our fellow citizens, our minds, our hearts, and uh, our, our nation in every way. Let's turn to Ezekiel 22, starting with verse 23. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed or rained upon in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured human lives. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the common. Neither have they taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have disregarded my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey, shedding blood, destroying lives to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land have practiced extortion and committed robbery. They have oppressed the poor and needy and have extorted from the sojourner without justice. And I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have returned their way upon their heads, declares the Lord God. Ezekiel 22, verses 23 to 31. Let us pray. Father, we have reaped the bitter fruits in America of corruption, of people who go their own way without any regard for you, of an entire political party, the Democrat Party, that denies you your law out the window, 
tramples upon human lives by unlimited abortion, and in so many other ways, not securing our borders, not protecting our communities, not enforcing law and order, not supporting our police. They rob us, Lord God, these Democrats, by unfair trade deals that put America at a, constantly at a disadvantage, by ruining our economy, by ruining our energy independence, by not doing the common sense things to utilize the natural resources that you, Lord God, have put right under our feet. Lord God, we are facing incompetent leadership, really stupidity. Lord God, we see it clearly. We ask you to enlighten the minds of our fellow citizens that the one solution to this is to vote these people out of office. Lord God, how much more plain and clear can it be that for the protection of our own lives, for the protection of little babies still growing in the womb, for the protection of our families, the safety of our communities, the securing of our border, and the thriving of our economy, we need different leadership. Lord, this is a spiritual battle. A spiritual battle between seeing and blindness. A spiritual battle between the willingness to see and the refusal to see. Open our eyes. More importantly, open our hearts that we may be willing to open our eyes. Help us to lead our fellow citizens to open their eyes. Save us, Lord, from the evils that we have, as a people, chosen at the ballot box or through corruption in elections, from coming back on our own heads. But give us space and time yet, Lord God, to save this nation. Give us breathing room. Give us reprieve. Give us the opportunity, and maybe we, may we be wise enough to take the opportunity to again save this country. That opportunity, Lord, is upon us now. That battle is among us now. We are in the storm. It is not that the storm is coming. We are in it now. Wake up your people. Strengthen your people to stand up to do what is right and reclaim this nation for your kingdom. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, the uh, Catholic bishops wrote in their document, Living the Gospel of Life, some years ago. It came out actually in 1998, but it is just as valid today as ever. They said, we get the public officials we deserve. Their virtue or lack thereof is a reflection not only on them, but on us. And we have to take that to heart. We govern ourselves. The sovereignty in America resides in the people. Not in a king, not in a court, not in a congress. We get the public officials we deserve. And that needs to be our sentiment as we go into these elections, which are not ahead of us. We are in them now. We are in the elections of 2023. We are in the elections of 2024. Simultaneously, it is going on. It is happening. And unless we activate people now unless we educate and help people to think in the right framework about these elections now, we're not going to be able to catch up at the last minute.
we got to do it now. So we are in the election season. We're going to have a lot to talk about here. Um, give us your comments and questions, by the way, even if we can't answer them at a particular show or some of these shows are pre-taped. Uh, we'll get to them uh, in future shows as well. I always like to gather and look at these uh, questions and comments and respond as I'm able. Now, first, before going into some of the dynamics of the 2024 presidential race, and I want to say a word about the Senate and the House as well, we have another indictment coming. Uh, uh, we've mentioned this before. We told you there will be two others, one coming out of the January 6th investigations and the other coming out of the Georgia uh, the Georgia uh, elections, uh, where he made the phone call, uh, not saying anything wrong, uh, find the votes, you know, it's another way of saying what the left always says, every vote should count. Um, but I have this statement here from President Trump, we're going to go into this in more detail tomorrow um, with this uh, additional indictment, but uh, let me just read the first part of this and we'll get into it more in a subsequent show. Wow, he starts by saying, on Sunday night, while I was with my family, having just arrived from the Turning Point event in Florida, where I won the straw poll against all other Republican candidates with 85.7%, with all polls showing me in the lead in the Republican primary by very substantial numbers, almost everyone predicting that I will be the Republican nominee for president, and as I am leading the Democrat Joe Biden in the polls by a lot, horrifying news for our country was given to me by my attorneys. Deranged Jack Smith, and I say amen to that, the man is deranged. You want to make a list of the people who have done the most harm to America, any such list has to include Jack Smith. Jack, I hope somebody gets this message to you, gets this video to you, you loser. He says, deranged Jack Smith, the prosecutor with Joe Biden's DOJ, sent a letter Again, it was Sunday night, stating that I am a target of the January 6th grand jury investigation and giving me a very short four days to report to the grand jury, which almost always means an arrest and indictment. This is, I'm going to read the rest of the statement subsequently when we delve into this in more detail, but let's just start off by saying this. We've got to be very careful not to get used to the fact that we are in a police state. There's no disputing the fact. It's not an opinion. This is a police state now where the powers of government attack their political opponents, where those in power want to so hold on to the power that they're willing to twist the law into a pretzel, make things up, and weaponize those procedures and institutions that should exist for maintaining justice but are now being used to commit injustice. And all of that being a clear affirmation of their conviction that they can't win by legitimate means. Of course they can't. It's like what we just read in the prophet Ezekiel. They're filled with corruption. They destroy human lives. They rob the poor. They rob all of us. They're corrupt. They don't believe in, in having power by the consent of the governed. They don't believe they can get it. And they're right about that. They can't win fair and square at the, at the polling places. So they don't care about that anymore. 
They're weaponizing government to go after their chief political opponent. And that's why President Trump rightly calls this election interference. It's not at all what they want the public to think. Oh, well, nobody's above the law. Nobody's above the law. Don't give me this nobody's above the law. You're weaponizing the law. You're abusing the law. You have no right to say, oh, nobody is above the law, as if you're some kind of righteous uh, defender of law. You're an abuser of law. Jack Smith and all you Democrat corrupt people in leadership, the grassroots Democrats, we're not talking about you. We're talking about these leaders, leaders, quote unquote, these people who have their hands on the levers of power and should be nowhere near them. So once again, we're going to see this garbage coming out. Another fake indictment. President Trump did absolutely nothing wrong on January 6th. Absolutely nothing. In fact, this was a peaceful gathering of a gigantic crowd of Americans, among whom then there were some who did things they should not have done that were destructive. But this, that doesn't take at all away from the nature and purpose of the gathering. People were frustrated. People were concerned. Citizens came forward peacefully and patriotically to protest what they perceived as something wrong. They had a grievance, and isn't this what America is founded on? We have a right to express our grievances with the government. They had a grievance. We have a grievance. And to to, to warp the entire event, into some kind of, we'll get into this, ridiculous notion that this was an insurrection. You know, I mean, talk about the distortion of reality. Again, as I said in the prayer, we we need to go into this as well in more depth. The nature of the spiritual battle going on, and more and more people are recognizing that it is indeed a spiritual battle, is the battle between seeing and blindness which is rooted in a deeper battle in the heart between being willing to see and being and, and, and refusing to see. Refusing to see because you know that the truth is against you. You want power instead. You want lust. You, you lust after power. And so you close your eyes. Why? Because you've closed your heart. You're not interested in what is right, true, or just. You're interested only in your own power. This is what we see playing out here. And it requires a spiritual conversion in the heart of saying, my power is in God. My freedom, my happiness, my fulfillment is in submitting to God, not in asserting myself. That's at the deepest root what the spiritual battle is. Because once you hold on to that lust for power, you don't want to see or know anything else. So you close your eyes precisely because you've closed your heart. And that's why they don't care about the truth. They couldn't care less about whether January 6th was peaceful or violent, whether it was an insurrection or or a peaceful demonstration, whether it was President Trump inciting the people or not, what he said, peaceful, patriotic. Anything about the truth of the matter doesn't matter to them. We'll go more into that in a subsequent program. Let me turn to the elections of uh, 2024. You know, in this country, you've got about 25% of people identifying as Republican, about 25% identifying as Democrat, 
and you've got about 49 to 50% identifying as independent. More, more, large increase in the number of independents politically in our country. But, now, so elections can't be won just by the Republican base. Elections can't be won just by the Democrat base. Both sides have to appeal to the independents and win over independents. We're going to say a little bit something later about whether a third party, not President Trump, but a third party on the Democrat side, um, or an independent running is, is what I'm trying to say, it, it may affect that race. But when you look at the independents, about 80% of them, with just a little nudge, will say that they're leaning to one party or another. So, so, so when you're talking about the truly independent in our country, who can go both ways, either way, no matter how much they're hearing from both sides, you're talking about a very slim percentage of the population. You're talking about 15% of the population, 10, 15%, that are going to decide these elections. Especially when you consider the rock-solid, immovable support of President Trump, which is going to become even more immovable as more of these fake indictments come down. We're not going anywhere. We're not budging. So this is, by the way, a downside for the Democrat side. President Trump's support is solid. Biden's support is, is, very, is very shaky because there are a lot of them. Oh, yeah, oh, sure, of course, I would have voted for Biden in a you know, Democrat-Republican matchup in general election. Uh, but meanwhile, they're saying in the back of their minds, gee, I'm not sure he can even get to Election Day. And yet they won't say that publicly. Nobody wants to say the emperor has no clothes. They're afraid. They're kind of stuck with him, even though they don't want him. Now, should he drop out of the race for health reasons or because the powers that be in the party finally realize they've got to jettison him? And I think they're trying to find a way to do that. It's just nobody has the courage or means to do it just yet. There'll be all kinds of Democrats then that'll jump in, some known, some unknown. It'll be a chaos, it'll be a circus. But understand the, the nature of the support, any support that Biden has. It's shaky. It's not the kind of rock-solid support that you see for President Trump. Okay, so having said that, we're talking about a small percentage of the public that decides these elections. Now, when I start talking about key states... Never misunderstand that to mean that every single state isn't important. It is. Because every, first of all, in the long view of history, states, no matter how red or blue they might be, can change. And there's a dynamic of change going on in the midst of all of them. And we have to be vigilant to keep the red states red. We have to be, be uh, active and aggressive in turning blue states red. So from a, from a 50,000 feet view, you know, it's the whole nation at play all the time. And we, we need to be working wherever God has put us. We've got to work like crazy to win that area. Nobody in any part of the country, whether it's no matter how blue, no matter how red, should ever be complacent. This is about us fighting for every square inch of territory. Okay, 
And not only that, but you know, you look at the dynamic of elections and you know, you activate voters in a very red state or in a very blue state, no matter what your chances of victory in that particular election are, that's not the only consideration. You're activating voters who then are going to, are going to be working in that particular place or they might be moving somewhere else. Once they're activated, they're activated. And you also have, you know, uh, I mean, the popular vote doesn't determine the, the, uh, the electoral call. It just doesn't determine who, who becomes president, but it does matter, too. And people use that to look at trends. You look at, like we were commenting about the midterms, you know, you had a lot of uh, victories for Democrats that were very, very, very tiny margins. And therefore, you look a little bit below the surface at what the numbers of votes were, and you see the momentum on our side. All of it matters. So all of it matters everywhere. Now, having said that, there are certain swing states in the sense that as the dynamics are shaping up now, that these will be the places where ultimately the election will be decided. Now, you look back at 2016, for example, President Trump won that election, but he won it by about 80,000 votes. And you think about it in terms of tens and tens of millions of votes cast. 80,000 votes in three states. And we see this dynamic about to happen again. I'm going to mention three states, and a fourth if you want to throw in a fourth, that are going to be the critical deciding states in this coming presidential election. Again, in the context of what I just said about every single state, every single voter always matters. But some places decide earlier than others and by bigger margins. States you want to keep an eye on are Arizona. That's got both presidential and Senate swing capacity, Arizona. Wisconsin and Georgia. Arizona, Wisconsin, and Georgia. Now, we've seen a lot of problems in all three states, haven't we, electorally speaking, in recent years. But we have got to focus our attention. We have got to focus our energies. Those of you not only that are in those states, but everywhere else, too, and especially if you know people in these states, I want to invite you to be part of our training seminars, election uh, seminars. You can go to Pro-Life Vote. That's our main election website. Uh, I want to remind you about that regularly, ProLifeVote.com, ProLifeVote.com, and uh, take part in our regular online trainings. We'll also be doing trainings on the ground in different states. You want to throw in a fourth state besides Arizona, Wisconsin, and Georgia that are gonna, that's going to be key is Nevada. Um, and by the way, one of the things we'll be doing, we'll be talking about this more in detail on, um, uh, hopefully on Friday night, uh, is uh, we're going to be, uh, or probably, I'm sorry, more of that probably next week, is um, encouraging churches where this is legal, and Nevada is one of the places where it is legal, to uh, help the voters uh, get their ballots in uh, by means of ballot collection, ballot harvesting. Again, the legal kind, uh, the kind that our side can do effectively and constitutionally, uh, a, a, a better than the other side can do. And churches can do this. So we're going to talk more about that in a, in a subsequent program. 
Now, it's my conviction and that, uh, that of other observers, too, that President Trump will um, easily win this primary. And I think it'll be wrapped up by Super Tuesday, which, of course, is this year is March the 5th. That's where you have so many states having their primary elections after several states will have done so already. So I would say, and many others would say, President Trump will easily win the primaries by large amounts in Iowa, in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, in Nevada. And then come March 5th, you've got various states, including California, where you're going to have so many delegates uh, represented. It's so, so, it's so large, and President Trump will get a good uh, proportion of them, that by that time, he'll have enough delegates to, to wrap up this uh, uh, this, uh, this nomination, March the 5th, Super Tuesday. Now, what about the other side of the, of the aisle? Like I said before, Biden's support is uh, shaky. Honestly, it's really hard to see how he even runs. You know, people, it's, it's, people who are just presuming that he's going to be... Now, to say he's going to be the nominee, yeah, if you want to argue that on the basis of there are others pulling the strings. He's just a puppet. They'll continue to use their puppet, and the party will not allow uh, him to be um, sidestepped. Yes, yes, I agree. He's not going to go out voluntarily. Uh, you do have the, the the party structure, you know, controlling him like a puppet, and they don't, they don't, they want to go with him. You know, it's an easy campaign strategy: just stay in the basement and uh, you know get get whatever ballots you can uh, dream up. Okay, but the question is, he's still got to be able to, you know, he's still got to be able to do something, right? And him being able to do something like find his way around on a stage or complete a full sentence, is becoming more and more difficult. So it just only works within a certain range. How? I don't, I, don't, I don't see it. I mean, I don't see how can you... The election is November of 2024. Now, as I already said, we're in the midst of it now. But in real time, there's still a year and a half in front of us. And it's like... In Biden time, that's more than an eternity. So if Biden were not in the race, what happens? Now, many people say, well, you know, Michelle Obama will come swooping in, you know, to save the day. And certainly she would get the nomination if she decided to seek it. I actually don't think she will. I think she's, uh, she and Barack are quite content with their life right now. But who knows? I think it would be him that would be calling the shots here. But if she were to get in, she would get the nomination on the Democrat side, but I don't think she'd win the general. See, understand this, and, 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 and uh, Dick Morris was giving good commentary about this in several of his recent programs. She would be facing questions in the general election that Barack Obama did not have to face in 2008 and 2012. Questions that have arisen since then because of um, dynamics within the black community, within the Democrat wing of the black community, and that have great support within the community, but not elsewhere. For example, the question of reparations. She would have to answer that question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that each individual should be given three hundred sixty thousand dollars in reparation for the um, uh, for for uh, the um, 
injustices done uh, against the, the black community? Should we pay that out in, in, in reparations now for sins that these people didn't commit, but oh, uh, let's set everything right historically? Do you, do, you, do you believe that? Do you believe that whites are inherently racist? Do you support critical race theory? Do you believe that whites have advanced precisely because they're white or that they should not be advanced anymore uh, precisely because they're white? Do you, you know, and then you start giving these advantages uh, to, to, to blacks and, and uh, you know, reparations, for example, and then the Hispanics are going to say, what about us? And the Asians, to, what about us too? Do you believe that the whites and blacks should be segregated? She's going to have to face these questions that pre pre present a big dilemma. Do I, do I appeal to my base within the black community and alienate all the other voters? Or do, in an attempt to reach all the other voters, do I uh, alienate my own community? And it's just not, I don't think this is a winnable scenario for someone like Michelle Obama. There's another dynamic brewing, and that is, you know, you, you, you may have seen the... Um, interview on uh, Sean Hannity with Tulsi Gabbard. Now, Tulsi Gabbard, of course, was a, was a uh, jumped into the, the presidential primary race on the Democrat side last time around, got a lot of attention for that. She had served in Congress. She had served in the military. And she'd been saying a lot of things that make a lot of sense to a lot of people. And she left the Democrat Party, became independent. She did not rule out a run for the presidency this time around, nor did she rule out doing it as an independent. Now, there could be others who, who, who try the same thing on the Democrat side. They're going to take away a lot of votes from Biden. You can be sure of that. So this is an interesting dynamic to keep an eye on uh, because Sean asked her explicitly and she did not say no. That is an interesting development. Okay, finally, you know, the U.S. Senate, I mentioned before, Arizona is one of the key states to keep an eye on. Um, also has a Senate race and uh, quite winnable, Arizona, Ohio, West Virginia, and Montana. Four states to keep an eye on in terms of taking back the Senate. We've got to take that. We want a trifecta as a result of the 2024 elections, obviously. President Trump in the White House and a Republican Senate and House. The Senate, we can win back. The Senate map this time is way better than it was in the, uh, in the previous election, uh, in the midterms. And let's do it. With West Virginia, Ohio, Arizona, Montana, uh, very, very, uh, those should be at the top of, 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 of the list of uh, targets for uh, winning back the Senate. We should be able to do that. Now, the House, there's a threat that's coming out of this uh, redistricting, of, uh, rearranging of the map in New York State. Well, surprise, surprise. Uh, Left-wing uh, Democrat uh, judges trying to um, uh, uh, call for, for different maps that would give the Democrats an advantage. You're talking about four, five, six seats uh, that, 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 that would obviously uh, affect the majority in the House. We have to defend the House. We have to increase the majority in the House. But this situation in New York now with, um, with the gerrymandering of, of the, the boundaries of uh, House districts is, uh, is creating a threat uh, there. But we, we've got to make up for it uh, if that, in fact, ends up happening in New York. 
we got to make up for it by our wins in other places. And, uh, you know, California can be of help, actually. It helped us the last time around with some of those uh, uh, congressional seats, uh, House seats going, going Republican. Uh, let's keep an eye on all of this, friends, and let's go back now into prayer. Lord, we pray for, we want to invoke now, Lord God, your Holy Spirit upon the people of Arizona, upon the people of Wisconsin, and upon the people of Georgia. No, Lord, we know that every, uh, every square inch, every single vote, every single race is of critical importance to us, and we will not abandon uh, this effort anywhere that we find it. But Lord, we ask you in a special way to send your Holy Spirit upon the voters of Arizona, Wisconsin, and Georgia as we, as we continue in this election season. And we ask that, Lord, there be an outpouring like there has never been before of voter participation, of voter registration, of voter education, of people who wake up to the corruption we read about in the book of the prophet Ezekiel just earlier in this program, that people would realize, Lord, that we get the public officials we deserve, that the outcome is in our hands. It's in your hands, Lord God, but you, you place it in our hands. Awaken your people. Awaken, Lord, your people that they may have open hearts that lead to open eyes. People who are willing and ready to see what they would see if they just look and see the stark choice that is before us. Not simply a matter of Republican or Democrat, but a matter of America or tyranny. Which will it be? Flourishing or destruction? Embracing your law or throwing your law in the garbage? trampling it underfoot. That's the choice in front of us. Because the Democrat Party has become Marxist. It has become evil. And Lord God, awaken your people to see it. Awaken your people to reject evil. We ask you to pour, you to pour out your spirit upon the people of Nevada. Pour out your spirit, Lord, upon the pastors. Let them be willing to collect votes in a completely legal, constitutional way and do it better than the other side. Help us, Lord God, to inspire one another and to embrace victory in these elections. We now pray as Jesus taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Great to have you with us, friends. Uh, we're going to have a lot more to say this week. Stay tuned to Praying for America every weeknight at 8 p.m. Let others know about the program and spread this information. We're going to win big for America, and it's going to take every ounce of strength every single day. So let's do it together. Follow me on social media at FR Frank Pavone at FR Frank Pavone on all the major platforms. Thank you, Right Side Broadcasting Network. Follow them too. And friends, we will talk to you tomorrow. Hello, I'm Evangelist Alveda King with Priest for Life. The great issues of social justice, 
civil rights, and pro-life in our nation have made progress when citizens take their convictions into the voting booth. It's not enough simply to believe or speak about what is right. We have to elect lawmakers who will pass the right laws. As my uncle, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, the law can't make my brother love me, but it can stop him from lynching me. Making laws and changing hearts go hand in hand. When people's hearts and minds are changed, they will elect people who will change laws and court decisions. So dear friends, if you're not yet registered to vote, please register today. And when you do go into that polling place, please vote pro-life. Hello, this is Father David Begany, one of the many members of Priests for Life. This organization is one of the largest and most visible pro-life ministries in the world. Priest, the Priest for Life team relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priest for Life generously? Go today to ProLifeGift.org and give us as generous a gift as you can. Thank you for your kindness and be assured of our prayers for you every day. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.